0: give you a heads up on uh, why things are a little different today. Um, It is Elder Sunday, and typically it's the third Sunday of the year, uh, other than when we become Alaska for a week. Um, But uh, every elder is to share uh, for about five minutes um, (laughs) on what they feel the Lord has uh, laid on their hearts as uh, they consider where we've come from this past year and where we're heading uh, throughout this year. And so as we share, we do so with this year's uh, ministry theme in in mind, which is rooted. Healthy root provides healthy fruit. Following the elders time, Pastor Derek is going to present and guide us through this year's ministry plan. Um, It's beautiful, um, it's informative, it's fun, it's interactive, excited for you guys to get that in your hands. Um, and then uh, prior to communion, uh, we have the joy of installing five associate ministers here at the Axis Church. Lots of moving parts, um, definitely not a typical Sunday, um, but we've got some work to do, so let's, let's start. Uh, my title of my 15 minutes is, uh, just kidding, the church, gathered, the church Gathered in Christ's Name. I want to begin by focusing on the last three words of in Christ's name. In the scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul writes to young Timothy, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And in this one little passage, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we gather, we enter into the family of God only through the blood of Jesus Christ applied to the altars of our hearts by faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why many churches have their buildings, the front door of their buildings, painted red as a reminder that they only enter into the family of God through the shed blood of the Lamb of God that that is the only way that we can be cleansed and forgiven of our sins, of our unrighteousness, and the only way that we may be justified and made right before God, that we might be made clean through the powerful work of God on our behalf, in our hearts. And so in light of this, church family, gather humbly, for God opposes the proud. As you gather, gather repentantly a broken and contrite heart the Lord will never turn away. As you gather, gather with hopeful hearts, for the Christian is to be the most hopeful of all people. And as you gather, gather unified, gather unified, focusing and concentrating on what it is that we have in common, not on what we don't have in common. Chiefly, that we are sinners in need of a Savior to give us mercy and grace as we are so clumsy. And so sinful, needing Jesus Christ every second of our life. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. That's being united. May the God of all endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. That together you may have one voice. Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. How has He welcomed you? Welcome each other in the same way. And as you gather, gather singing, enter His gates with thanksgiving, enter into His courts with praise, give thanks to Him, bless His name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And so gather and sing and sing loud. And as you gather, gather, sing others. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like minded towards one another. Accept one another, admonish one another, greet one another, care for each other, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive. Don't ghost and don't walk away. Forgive one another, be patient with one another, speak the truth to one another in love and with grace. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Show deference. Actually consider each other better than yourselves. Look to the interest of others more than to the interest of your own. Bear with one another, which essentially means just put up with each other. Teach one another. Help each other. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Provoke each other to love. And good works. Show hospitality to each other. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards each other. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. Basically, as my friend Pastor Matt puts it, let's just help each other make it home. In Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> we have a summary of the early church. It's how we started, y'all, 2,000 years ago. It's how we started when people stood in awe of God and trembled at his word, when they couldn't get over Jesus to get so quickly to their own preferences. It says this about the early church. They devoted themselves, committed themselves, dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching which we have is the scriptures, and to fellowship and friendship with one another, and eating together, breaking of bread and prayers. And you know what? All came upon every soul. No one was left out of that. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together, together, and they had all things in common. They were even selling their possessions and belongings in order to distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, they attended the temple, thousands, thousands of new Christians, daily, gathering in synagogues, gathering in temples, breaking bread, even in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. A sign that you have hope in your heart is that your eyes are to the skies, that you're looking for Christ. Have hope-filled hearts. And church family, I want more for you. As one of your pastors, I want things for you that are unique, given the role that I play in your life, given the role that we play in your life. Your doctor has goals for you. Your physical therapist has goals for you. Your politicians have goals for you. Your pastors have unique goals for you. I want you to experience the power that comes upon you as you humble yourself and submit to and trust the Holy Spirit of God to guide you and comfort you as you learn more and more to abide with God. And as you learn more and more about what it means to truly be rooted and grounded. In Christ's likeness. Ephesians chapter 3, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you. Exactly. Yes. Say so. <laughs> that he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, down at the identity, do I matter type of level of who you are the core of who you are, that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength that's not yours. That's why it has to be his strength that is within you, causing him to dwell richly in you so that you will have the strength to understand the the lack of understanding, the depth, the breadth, the height, the length, and to know the love of Christ. That surpasses knowledge. He wants us to understand something that can't be understood so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to know about the deep and abiding and unshakable joy that comes to the humble Christian who's seeking to honor the Lord with their whole life. I want every one of you to be wholehearted, humble, dependent, happy-hearted Christians living in community, loving one another, helping out one another as we fight the drift, living on mission, waiting for the Lord. There is a life, there is a life of substance and depth and meaning and significance that awaits you. The life that you're looking for, it awaits you as you leave the average Christian lifestyle of today's pop culture Christianity. And as we enter into the 2,000-year-old, tested, tried, and proven path of those who have faithfully, clumsily stumbled their way on the narrow path that leads to life and contentment and joy and happiness. So family, this year, let's work like never before to remove the box of our pop Christian stereotype and let's take that old path. That old path gets us to the foot of the Savior dying in our place for our sin. That old path guides us to the cross and to the empty tomb It's completely empty. But taking that old path requires that we leave our way. That's a very different path. Your way and my way of doing things is very, very different. And it leads to death. But the old path, the narrow path, leads to life. To take the old path the ancient way means that we've got to leave our pride and preferences. In fact, this path requires that we deny ourselves all together. And by faith, find ourselves in the story of God, accepting what he has for us, contentment. And the happy Christian learns to adopt this as their calling and embraces it with a hopeful contentment. And so my hope for us this year is that we learn to take this old path, but do so together. All right, Pastor Dave. Oh,
1: Church family, I'm so incredible and so incredibly thankful for you. I get to hear you sing every week, pretty much, and in conversations that I've had with you over these almost three years, I'm always (laughs) blown away by your love for the word and your eagerness to gather and your love for your pastors. Uh, It's overwhelming, and thank you. Um, And I'm so thankful for the honor to be among these men who labor for your souls. Pastor Jeremy, your passion for Jesus and his word is so bright in every room at all times, not just behind the pulpit. You're the most careful person that I know when it comes to trying to represent the heart of our Savior to everyone you encounter. Uh, And in your handling of every situation, you're so careful to want to represent the heart of Christ in a way that I've never seen before, and I'm so thankful for that. It's just a remarkable gospel instinct that you possess, and I want more of that in my life. You personify 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. And by your pondering and laboring and love for the word, that transforming grace is all over your life. And I want more of that in my life. Thank you. And uh, Pastor Derek, I'm inspired and challenged by the incredible way that you work for the glory of God. And I'm deeply encouraged by the way you pray and by how you champion prayer among us and among everyone you know. I'm thankful that there is legendary evidence of growth in your life. Uh, I'm inspired by the clear evidence of self-control. I know the Lord has a hold of you, brother. And I see him mastering your heart. And I see you submitting to him. You're transparent with it. And I see him get a hold of you. And it's inspiring It's beautiful, and I love you and appreciate you. Pastor Don, I'm so deeply comforted by your steadiness and by the fact that you are grounded in the word of God. You're a brilliant theologian in my estimation, and I am deeply uh, encouraged by how you care and nurture the people of God. Uh, I love the way that you give what you can with excellence and balance and with the clear conscience. It's formative for me to see you do that, you and Susan, and I, I want to be like you when I grow up. So, um, I've been asked to speak for a moment this morning about the second priority or category in our rooted and grounded ministry plan for this year. And that, that second category is growing. So, the church, you and me, growing into Christ's likeness. Uh, as I thought about the concept of growing in general, I could immediately only think about all the areas in which I need to grow. Um, and I just had to fall into the arms of the Savior and thank him for ultimate sufficiency in his finished work. I also pleaded with him to grant me new seasons of growth in those areas and help me stay mindful and thankful for the areas in which he has absolutely changed me through his word. Um, it's hard to kind of keep track of that. It's easier to just lose focus and think about where you are. Where you, you really need to grow. So I'm confident that he who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, as it says in Philippians 1.6. Um, but for me, it's when I hear and think about that concept, what does it mean to grow? It's a major wake-up call for me, and it's kind of a, a little bit of a gut punch. Uh, maybe the same for some of you. I ask, um, if I were to ask you, what does it mean to grow in the likeness of Christ? Just think about that for a second. If that question is posed to you one-on-one in a conversation, what does that mean? And perhaps you can only think of the spots in your life where you need to grow, or areas of life in which you feel like you've actually stopped growing, or maybe you just feel like you can't grow. I just can't do it. Um, I relate to that. It could be that for you, the thought of growing in Christ likeness is just—it just doesn't hit at all. To use the modern vernacular, I just doesn't hit for me. Let's move on. What's for lunch? Um, and I want to challenge you and encourage you from God's living and matchless word with an imperative for growth and a means for growth. Uh, an imperative from Second Peter. And if you want to, there's a Bible, should be on the, under the seat in front of you there. If you want to look at Second Peter 3.18 as you find that, because I don't think it's on overhead unless these guys are really fast. And please, yeah, Kirsten said no, and I'm not, I'm not asking you to do that. Yeah, I know, right? I'm just, well, they're not supposed to. I'm just saying. There's a Bible under the chair in front of you. Uh, as you turn to 2 Peter 3.18, last year, Joe Jacobs and I uh, spent a lot of time with the Apostle Peter by way of memorizing his second epistle. So I'm going to recite the entire book for you right now. No, just kidding. Um, by God, oh, look at that. Okay, well, hold on a second now. I had a little more, like, you know, transition time to get to the, uh, anyway. Anyway. Um, So uh, my friend Tom Ross, who I think is here as well, uh, whose daughter Madeline was helping to lead us this morning in song worship, reminded me at some point during the year uh, that as Peter penned this epistle, he was probably weeks away from martyrdom, uh, maybe even hours, some believe, and he knew that that as he penned this book. Uh, His words cut to the quick of things, the things about which he was most concerned. The very last verse of this epistle Peter's final words to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, maybe hours before He, he died, 2 Peter 3:18, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Final words. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Um, so there's an imperative to grow. So let's answer our question. We this is an imperative. Christian, blood bought saint, secured saint that will see the face of Jesus by his grace, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, And then uh, Psalm 1 1 through 3 gives us a a means for uh, for growth. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits And the seed of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. So a means for growth, being planted by the word, being gathered to hear the word, reading the word daily, living in the word. Uh, Joshua 1, 8, another passage from the Old Testament uh, that is a means. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Uh, and a New Testament passage, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 Uh, It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, mature. Um, And then 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, it says, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow Thereby, um, one thing to consider here: if you find yourself in times of desperation, which this is some. As I think about you, young families, I've been there. I know there are moments where you, you, all of you have it together so well. You, you're beautiful, and your families are lovely, and I know you have moments of quiet desperation. I know you do. I, it's just all. It feels like the wheels are coming off the cart. So that is. Um, it, you feel malice, you feel deceit, you feel hypocrisy, you feel envy. There's evil speaking. So there's the, the means as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. I already read it. I grew up in that. Go back daily, humble yourself before the word. Um, I want you to experience the life-dominating prompting of the Holy Spirit to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to experience the peace in your homes and with each other that can only flow from that kind of growth. And I want you to have God's word richly dwelling in you because that is the fountainhead. That is the source of growth into likeness. Very practically as a believer, standing in the sufficiency of Christ with your mind and conscience informed by God's living word, your desires begin to change. You can identify your motives more quickly and honestly, and you can easily see and agree with Jesus about your attitudes and your responses in every situation with increasing clarity as you go to the word of God daily and pray humbly for the Lord to change you and to bring abundant fruit in your life. So I got a handful of Bible verses that relate to growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ means and, why, and the benefit, um, what, what growth looks like, what it should look like, and the implications of not growing. So I got a slew of these that I've memorized, so just talk to me, and I want to give you that list, because I, I can't recite all those, can I? No, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Dave.
1: Um,
2: I, I was given the title, The Church Going. So we've got gathering, we've got growing. And now mine is going, uh, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, my whole over- oh, thank you. Place for the text. You almost stepped on my foot. The bad one. Just feels like I got a screw in my foot. That's no problem. <laughs> so I get this honor of of this saying, "Where do we? Where are we going?" Okay, and I'm not going to give you direction. Because I honestly uh, have already been spoken of this morning, not just by this, this guy, uh, but Pastor Jeremy, when he quoted First Timothy, this is a worthy statement deserving of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I, as your elder, am the chief sinner. And that's how I know that Jesus is real. One reason is that I somehow stand before you trying to give you some encouragement. The biggest sinner in the room. Forgiven. Because of what he's done at the cross. And so I want to encourage you this morning that as you, the church, think about going, I honestly think of it wrongly almost Every single time I think of it and then have to course correct myself. Because I think of foreign missions. I think of Cuba. I think of my passion of Haiti and Brazil. I I think of these offshore places. But if we look at the Great Commission and combine that with Acts 1-8, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is stepping off the planet. He's returning to the Father. And then he says, go. Make disciples. And he begins to say, when you make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. I mean, so what you have, I want you to notice in that we, we do have it. Teach them. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that verse is full of what's called participles, I-N-G words. Even the phrase go turns into Matthew 28. It's actually a participle. Going, in other words, as you go, it is the moment you've come here and sung praises to him, prayed repentfully to yoke back to him and then heard the word preached on this stage. What do we say at the end? We send you into the city, into where you live, into your homes, with your family, with your co-workers with your roommates, with your husband, wives, children. Go into the city to know, love, and obey Jesus Christ. Helping, teaching others to do the same. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, you are on mission. That's where I get it wrong. As you go, make disciples. The imperative there is making disciples. It is in the back room when you're in children's ministry. It is on the street. It is every day in your office. It is wherever you live, breathe, or move. And I want to encourage you with, actually, Colossians 2, that what Paul has done very cleverly, though through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's given you an imperative in 2, 6, and 7 with participles. He says, therefore, as you received... Jesus Christ, as you that word received means you came to know and trust him as the one who he says he is. And then what does he say as Christ Jesus, the Lord, your Lord? He says, walk in him. And then that's an idiom for just live your life in him every day, live your life. And guess what? Out of two, six and seven, that's the imperative. In fact, the Greek rotates. It doesn't say walk in him. It says in him preposition of place. In him, in Christ Jesus, walk, know him, grow in him, gather in him so you can grow more in him so that you can go wherever you go in each moment of your life, never alone. I am with you always go with him into your life. And I I want for you to know that more than anything that you are on mission every moment of your life. I do forget that. But we get this again, 2, 6, and 7, with the imperative to walk in him, having received him, and then we get this, what's called a perfect passive participle, rooted, rooted, being, having been rooted in him. That is a gift of grace to you and me. It is, it is God taking you and planting you by the river where you can draw nutrients. Why? So that you can bloom and grow fruit, beautiful fruit. You have been taken and done. That has been done for you. And since it's a perfect tense verb, guess what? It was done in the past, and it has eternal implications. It never stops you being rooted. The word R-H-I-D-Z-O. Rizzo, my favorite flower, is a rhizome. comes from that word. It is an iris. And an iris is unique. It grows kind of on top of the ground, but look at it extending those deep roots down into the ground. Guess what? It only blooms if the top of the root is exposed to the sun. Cover it up with dirt and muck. Mulch, the flower will cease to bloom. So you've been rooted facing the sun to grow exponentially. They grow on themselves. They multiply so much so you have to separate them. It's a beautiful picture here of being rooted. But then he gives these participles when he says this. He, he, he goes on and says, you've been rooted. And now we get the present participles, what we do, being built up. Like a, like a house, like a temple, on him, the cornerstone, if you want to look at Ephesians. It is you, been rooted, now growing in him, established, which means standing firm in your faith. That's what I want for you. That comes through knowing and growing in the word. And having been established with him, the final participle there is really giving. It's that giving of overflowing. It is, it is a word that means if you had a cup, it would be running over onto the table. Over your life, overflowing with thanksgiving for what God has done for you. Overflowing. Like, like I always picture the cup when it flows down and, and the liquid that gets on the table, it is at its lowest point. That is you and I standing humbly before Him daily, knowing that as we go, we must be humble. We must crush our pride and idols and, and allow Him to. To work through us because we are what rooted in him. So, brothers and sisters, my desire is that we understand that you have been rooted by the work of Christ Jesus, and now you you grow deep roots for the purpose, being exposed to the sun daily of going. But remember, as you go. You are always on go, but you are never alone. Pastor.
3: just need to take communion. Thank you, Jeremy, and Dawn, and Dave. It is an honor and a privilege to be one of the pastors here. I've said that before, but uh, I mean it. I don't usually say things I don't mean, so I mean that. The task before me today is to exhort us to graciously steward Christ's resources. And by definition, stewardship is acknowledges that ownership belongs to another. The responsibility rests with the steward to tend what has been entrusted to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul reminds, us, reminds Christians that you were not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This life we've been given and the grace we've received is what we are to steward keeping with the healthy, rude, healthy fruit theme. Listen to Christ as he frames this for us in St. John's Gospel, John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This is John chapter 15. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you for no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Understanding that this isn't about some kind of give to get thing. If I'm remaining in him and abiding in him, I'm only going to ask for the things he wants. This uh, This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. Discipleship is stewardship. It's acknowledging the Lord's ownership of my life and will, but within the intimate context of abiding. And picking up on this theme, St. Paul in his 11th chapter of his letter to Romans is speaking to Gentile Christians, and he mentions those who thought they were God's people by ancestry or by some other kind of connection. And throughout this chapter, he uses this illustration of branches being broken off and, and grafted in, reminding us in verse 18 of Romans chapter 11. Remember, you do not support the root. The root supports you. And he goes on to issue a warning to us in verses 20 to 23 of Romans 11, related to the seriousness of this stewardship and providing guardrails for us to persevere in faithfulness. In verse 20, he says, "Don't be arrogant about this. Don't be arrogant about this idea that I'm, I'm I'm able to be grafted in a branch in this vine." He says, but tremble, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God, sternness to those who fell away, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in this kindness. Otherwise, you can also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they can be grafted in. This is the gospel. For God is able to graft them in again. St. Paul Ends chapter 11 with a glorious hymn, praising the sovereignty of God in this work. And then he continues in chapter 11 with what our response should be. So he says in verse 33, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, to steward your lives in in a way that's holy and pleasing to God, for this is true and proper worship. This is true and proper dedication and stewardship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the growth, And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. As Pastor mentioned in as we think of this gather, what what is our posture? But rather think of yourself with sober judgment, a right view. I'm the chief of sinners. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body, With many members, and these members don't have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. This idea is that I don't get to take a pass on mercy because I've got this gift of teaching. The Spirit gives at will, when you need it. You'll never, you'll never see any of these more, uh, more, more highly recognizable in Christ's life. He was all of these things at any given moment at any time as was needed. And so there are gonna be seasons where I'm to give and to be merciful and to encourage and to lead. And I trust in Him to do that trusting that he's doing that in you. That's the sincere side of love. We hate what's evil. We cling to what is good. We're devoted to one another in love. We honor one another above ourselves. We're never lacking in zeal, but we keep that flame. As uh, Pastor Dave talked about, We, we stoke the spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and we share with the Lord's people, with all the Lord's people who are in need. And we practice hospitality. We bless those who persecute us. We bless and we don't curse. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. We live in harmony with one another. Not to be proud, but to be willing to associate with people who aren't like us. Not to be conceited not to repay anyone evil for evil, but to be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We don't take revenge, my dear friends. We leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord, and I'm the one that needs to be worried about that. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. And the evil I'm overcoming is the evil in my heart. The enemy I'm angry at is the reflection that by God's grace is being transformed into a different image that we heard this morning. This call is not to perfection. This call is to health and maturity, and this occurs because we are grafted into the root. The fruit of righteousness from this list we just read is not produced or forced by the branch. It happens naturally as we learn to abide, and the test is if this isn't occurring, are we connected to the root? Still, if this matters to you, if any of this resonates with you, rest assured that the process has started. So don't get frustrated with the pace. No gardener or farmer is angry at the tender shoot that isn't producing yet. She nurtures it and cares for it, realizing how important this part of the process is. And in our own lives, we may have figured it out in one area and not in another, and that's okay. In the context of Christian community, this process is humble and non-judgmental and nurturing. We don't yell at a toddler for taking a few steps and then falling down. We celebrate the effort. We help them up. We encourage them to continue. And notice how important, the important element here that exists. If, if our abiding, in our abiding, we find ourselves a bit further down the road, this is grace that we've been given to encourage and celebrate others, just as we will need it in our failures. Last week's Arctic weather reminded me that when you're walking with someone on an icy surface and you or they slip, there's support for one another. And it's no fun if you're alone. And you ask my son. <laughs> he, he, he came in all miss it. Bless him. Slipping in community is a difference maker. The point is, if we and other branches are rooted in the right source, that is grafted into Christ, an abundance of fruit will be produced. And this is stewardship at its best. Whole life stewardship is discovering the joy of sacrificial living, not living for ourselves, but for Christ and for each other. And so the economy of the kingdom, good stewardship is learning to abide in Christ through faithfulness, obedience, and love, and learning to do this in community. So God help us. This, um, this plays out in some practical ways. So we're going to kind of, if, if our ushers can go ahead and start distributing those Brochures. Um, Just want to talk through our ministry plan. We'll go through this as quick as we can. I don't want to necessarily, you know, we we will kind of flip through the book here, but I'm going to give you time from this point. This is yours to keep. Um, We use the thank you. We use the uh, the term ministry plan at the axis instead of budget to communicate that this is broader than you know dollars and cents or or accounting and administration. It's an annual process that we go through to evaluate um, the formation and foundation of our church. We recast vision for the faithful stewardship of the communal resources that God has supplied and it's a challenge for us to all take a step expanding the gospel in Middle Tennessee. So we'll just start by referring back to that verse that Pastor Don walked us through in Colossians 2. Verses 6 and 7. It's kind of the theme for our year. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith that just as you were taught, abounding, overflowing in thanksgiving. Christ is life, and we desire that this theme of being rooted in Him pervade our motivations and drive everything we do. So if you'll turn to the first two pages, I just want to take time. Um, I want to encourage you to take time to read um, and be encouraged by Pastor Jeremy's letter to the church, much of what you've heard expressed this morning, but take some time over the next day or two or this afternoon and and read and absorb this and let this land in a beautiful way. Pages three and four, uh, we walk down memory lane. We're not going to spend a lot of time because 2023 is so last year, (laughs) so uh, it's... uh, Is it, is it me, or does it feel like January has been slow? Like, we are still in January. It's kind of strange, yeah. It's weird, yeah. yeah. I, I have a feeling it's going to accelerate. But
0: I can't wait for February 1st. <laughs> yeah. It's been a rough month. Oh, there you go. He's ready to get out. Okay. <laughs>
3: yeah. So even though it was last year, <clears throat> we uh, we still think it's good sometimes to reflect on the Lord's faithfulness. We've got some pictures there. Also, just real quick, I wanted to shout out Kirsten. to Kirsten Kent back here. Yeah. In We've done this for three years. She's the third person in this position, and I'm thinking <laughs> uh, it might be because of the project like this, but really, really, really good job. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She's going to stick. Okay. Yeah. But St. Paul reminds us uh, throughout his epistles that remembering and gratitude are the antidotes to anxiety hmm. and the pillars of prayer. I can't pray faithfully and effectively if I'm not remembering the faithfulness of God. It's tw- That's that call. So, anything you'd want to highlight from last year? Just glad it's over. We're in the new. <laughs> On to the new. Just a couple of quick things I'd mention. We saw 65 uh, people become Access yeah. Ministry partners last year. It's really cool. 45 people took advantage of um, counseling. Is accessible counseling services. That. that was brand new. Y'all in are awesome.
0: You 45 brave souls. Man. Really thankful for y'all yeah. stepping into that room. Yeah, we're broken people, and this is
3: one of the things we really wanted, and we're excited about seeing that expand. We had over 500 people at Easter. We've talked a little bit about that. Uh, we've got over 200 people volunteering, scores of benevolence interactions. Surefire launched. Some of you like coffee shops and don't. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it's been it's been really cool, the interactions in a neighborhood. and And we recovered from another fire. That's the other thing I'm hoping <laughs> that we can skip in 2024. That's Just, what we called it. Yes. Sure, another fire. And sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. All right, well we're gonna try not to burn the place down this year. Page fun, our uh, page five is a fun exercise right here. So I'm not sure how scientific this is, uh, but who needs the enneagram if you can discover your plant personality? <laughs> and I will say I have gone through this a couple of times. Don't overthink it. <laughs> it always ends on the same one. Yeah, right? I'm like... <laughs> you kill plants. Yeah, I'm up here going, <laughs> I hate plants, I kill them, and I still end up with... Oh, you're... Roundup. Yeah, you're, you're peaceful, and it? <laughs> <Come on. laughs> no, I'm not. You're a cactus. <laughs> 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 Paid, <laughs> page seven. And yes. <laughs> yes.
0: And you were flattered by that?
3: No, I, yeah, but I'm soft on the inside. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
1: no.
0: It's getting there.
3: Page, pages six and seven. Uh, we just want to reflect for a minute uh, as we kind of get into what's coming, what's next. Um, just re- reflect on uh, the step of faith we took together in 2023. Yeah. We put together a pretty aggressive giving goal. And the giving goal last year was 1.052, $1.052 million mm. to provide the resources during the Let There Be Light ministry plan. And by God's grace, you gave 1.054 wow. million dollars. That's awesome. And just so you know, this stuff is more art than science. It's not like yeah. you know, it's not like we're sitting there going, "Okay, if we can get you know if this kind of come, if this comes in, we're just blown away yeah. that God provided exactly.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, like within two thousand dollars, what we needed. It's amazing through your generosity, and I just think we should celebrate that. That's, That's awesome. That's tremendous. God. <laughs> amazing. So that brings us to page eight. Um, this year, the plan is to fund um, the areas of ministry gatherings, discipleship, mission, and missionary, ministry support or that stewardship side of things to the tune of 1.255 and change. Um, I will say that's a modest, it was a much bigger step last year. This is a modest 14% growth over 2023, but it reflects the reality that we also grew by 15% across our ministries. And we're feeling that um, uh, we're feeling that pressure in, in several areas. We'll talk about. So let's take a look at how this plays out. Um, we'll take uh, take some time to per- peruse pages nine through sixteen. We're not going to go page by page, but the reality is um, that costs related to simply gathering continue to rise. Mm-hmm. Parking. We're having to buy, we buy parking every Sunday um, so that we can park across the way and over in the corner. Um, Utilities require building improvements that are on the horizon. I mean, apparently, two fires require a sprinkler systems. So there's some things like that that um, are going to come. Yeah. Um, but we don't. What we don't want is we don't want, we don't want those things to put on the back burner the plan yeah. for ministry because we really sense that there's an, it's important that we increase uh, intentionally increase resources in internal and external care uh, that we expand our focus on community impact through some really cool partnerships, refugee ministries, FCA is new for us this year, but we really feel like that's a a good connect point. It's youth man. Yes, a homeless ministry, et cetera. Um, Providing additional opportunities for um, access ministry partners seeking mental and emotional health services. Increased attention to youth and college ministry equips women's and men's events. We wanna be more intentional around connecting with each other. We're gonna see some things or. just as, as it relates to opportunities for us to be hospitable to each other and to gather and to fellowship, um, to the nation's opportunities in Cuba and Appalachia and Rwanda, uh, including trip fee, subsidy and support so that you can go. And I know that's a moving, I know every year it's a it got a different list, but we're just discerning what God's doing and and being available to what the doors that he's opening. And we're also investing in church plants um, in, in some pretty significant ways this year. Um In fact, uh, we've got some of those folks uh, here South Nashville. Uh, Ryan Stanley and James Mitchell are going to be planting Harbinger uh, House house Church Network thing. It's a beautiful. We launched June, right? July. July. So you're going to be hearing more about that. We want to seed what God is doing, uh, what he's laid on their hearts to do. It's been a beautiful expression. Uh, James is going to be going through PLC. Ryan was one of the first to, to go through it. Um, we've got uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and that's Chad Miller. Chad Miller and Mark Likens. Yes, yeah. Mark, that's right. And your last yeah. name? Likens. Likens, that's right. And so Mark's coming through PLC. Yes. This Mission year Bible. Part of, it's Mission Bible Church in uh, brand new uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Still getting kind of started, right? And so we've, we're coming alongside them. And then uh, St. Saint, uh, Saint Augustine, Florida. So we're excited about Anthony, Anthony, and, Anthony Josh. and Josh uh, being here with us today and being a part of this. And that's uh, and what's cool about this, guys, for y'all, just to just a tiny little backstory on it. We kind of call this Access Greenhouse a little bit. I think it fits with our with our rooted. But these are three very different um, kind of church plant expressions, mm-hmm. and it's I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that we're, we're we're trying to figure this out. We, um, we want to help these guys as they pursue and obey Christ and Where they're calling them, and we just want to get get along uh, side of that. Awesome. So, uh, the, one of the other things that's part of this is being is, is the PLC, the Pastoral Leadership Collective, and this is season seven. Season seven, season 7. Eighth so, year, our eighth year. And I've left my phone over there. If you are part of PLC season seven, uh, if you'll come, if you'll come up. Just stand on both sides. Just kind the, of come two right two down two. here. We, we just want to acknowledge you guys. That starts today, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Give us just a little context of that process.
0: Yeah. So uh, PLC, our pastoral leadership collective, is an eldership pastoral pipeline for leadership development of shepherds in the local church. Um, this came to fruition in uh, the summer of 2016, um, as I just felt the need for for healthy elders, for more elders, and for there to be a means of identifying, training, equipping, and commissioning uh, pastors in the local church, and there's many states that are represented here with these guys from Maine to Florida to North Carolina. It's uh, really special, and uh, these men are going to be dedicating themselves uh, for five sessions that average about five hours each. They're going to be preaching three sermons uh, that are 11 minutes long, which is really difficult, between now and uh, June, and so be praying for these guys. Uh, For those that you know that are up here, some are from out of state, but for those who you know that are up here, be praying for them, be praying for them all, but the ones that are among us here at the Axis, be expecting more from them. It's a heavy burden. Um, expect more from them, and I expect you, church family, to pray and find ways of practically encouraging them, because it is a significant task that is before them um, this spring semester. Um, So we want to pray over them as we do so. So, Father, I ask that you add your blessing to these men, their families, their churches. Lord, I ask that you equip them for every good work. Lord, that you grow their minds theologically. Lord, that you grow their hearts to be more tender towards you and moved by the gospel of your Son. Lord, that you would allow them to lean upon and depend upon the Holy Spirit's abiding within them to control them and guide them and comfort them, and that you would multiply them Lord, as they seek to make disciples where they are. Lord, I pray, I just pray a prayer of blessing over them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for these men. Thank y'all.
3: Lastly, it's going to take uh, all of us to be rooted and fruitful in Christ this year, engaging and giving and supporting, being honest and humble and generous and responsive and hopeful and safe with each other. So what we're asking each of you to do is take this home, spend some time in it, look at it more closely, and then would you just begin to ask, how could you, how can I take a step this year? Not, not from some other starting point, but from where you are and not compared with to anybody else. This is about collective lift that comes from all of us as we move forward, not waiting on someone else to catch up or get started. So let's read the Bible this year. Yeah. Start somewhere. Just read the Bible. Let's make prayer a priority, establish a rule. Join youth on the fourth Wednesdays of every month. Yeah. Um, get ready to go on mission. Be, be mindful that going is about now. Like how, how can I be um, aware of what God's, where he's sending me when I get up on Monday morning and drive to work? But also, maybe you need to get a passport. Maybe you don't know where that's gonna lead, but be ready, begin set resources aside. Maybe you could serve somewhere. Have, there's 200 of us that serve in different capacities here but there's always need for more group lift um, so see Rachel about that see Jordan about that maybe get into a deeper level of community if you're not in an, an, an access community that's what Gordon's here for to help help you connect uh, maybe you need to become an amp uh, an access ministry partner just be more known this year maybe take a step in your giving and on page uh, 18 I just want to encourage this. Since Pastor Jeremy's recent message on the subject, we've had folks literally come up to us and ask things like, where do I start? Um, I'm in, but I don't know how practically. Listen, we're gonna, we'll are work with you. Um, we'll connect you with others who are further down the road. I'm happy to sit down and talk about what this looks like, because sometimes the best way to start, especially related to generosity, is to start just by giving something. Every week, every month, whatever that looks like. Remember what was said. You have a greater need to give and the church has a need for your money. Consider taking that 1% challenge on page 18. I was recently told of a person's grandfather who decided to do this every year. And by the time they passed away, he was giving 30% to the church.
0: Hmm.
3: And he didn't even think about it because every year he just took a step. Just took a step, took a step. And you can find yourself there. So maybe I make 30000 and I give about $75. Well, that's 3%. I give about, three, you know, 75 a month. But, you know, maybe I could take a step to, you know, just, it's that kind of thing. Um, you may want to learn how to gift assets or store resources. There's a, I just want to say this. There is no risk in outgiving God yeah. or hurting the church. Hmm. The ability to plant churches, relocate to a larger space, meet demands of growing congregation are only limited by our faith. Hmm. Remember what I preached a few weeks ago? where Christ couldn't do certain work in certain places because they didn't ask. Hmm. My own giving needed some scrutiny. And in December, I decided to take a step. And I'm glad we did. So I'm on this journey with you guys and I just encourage you to think about that. In 2024, let's develop healthy spiritual roots for the purpose of producing nourishing spiritual fruit. All right, Pastor. That's beautiful.
0: Rick. Thank you, Derek. Um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable that a church our size, with our resources, uh, get to be involved with three church plants There's in one year. Um, there's a lot of churches that are much larger with much more, more significant platforms that will never plant three churches in their entire life as a church. Um, that's just evidence of God being among us. And um, these men are phenomenal. Your elders are absolutely phenomenal. Don could absolutely... <clears throat> Don, I'm fully convinced, could be a president of any theological seminary and just rock it. I'm serious. He's phenomenal. And Dave and his heart and his tenderness for people and, and to encourage them for their whole life to be of worship and not just music. And Derek with his humble prayer life and connecting us to the ancient desert fathers and robust church history. These, You know why they're here is because you'd be in trouble if it was just me. And he loves you enough to have to surround me with men like this for your sake. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. You guys are radically gifted to have these men as your pastors. Um, <clears throat> I get to have now the privilege of installing our associate ministers. So as our church continues to grow and flourish, which is an act of God's grace, not a system, I assure you that, we're filling uh, the need to add more trellis, leadership trellis for the vines of growth and lives and opportunities that the Lord is giving to us. Um, eldership in the local church, like pastoring in the local church, um, elder development, it's a crock pot. It's not a microwave. It's like a low and slow smoker, okay? It's not a pressure cooker. Um, in fact, to rush into eldership is very dangerous to the man, his family, and to the church, and it is utterly foolish, according to 1 Timothy 5.22, among scores of other passages in the Scriptures. Uh, So as we wait for the Lord to provide us with more elders in our growing church, we're doing what we can to further disciple and develop certain ones who will one day maybe become elders in the local church. And we base this leadership model upon the uh, Apostle Paul's relationship to young Timothy, that dynamic that they had. Uh, Young Timothy moved from proselyte to protege to presbyter or pastor, uh, and you can see that in the epistles of your New Testament. In other words, Timothy moved from Paul's son this is Timothy, my son, to this is Timothy, our brother. And then, of course, we know that he went on to pastor. Paul didn't have associates. He had sons. He had brothers. It's not to be corporate. And so for this reason, when referring to our associate ministers, which is something that is familiar in in American church culture, we're also going to be referring to them as elders' brothers, the elder brothers. And so this role has been created to serve as a developmental program for select men who have successfully completed and graduated from our PLC program. Not all PLC graduates will participate in this role. Um, an elder brother or associate minister at the Axis at the a, is a non-ordained PLC graduate on a trajectory towards uh, pastoral and elder ordination. And our hope is that each elder brother will have opportunities to grow mature in ways that will help them develop into the uh, an access church elder at some point in the future, kind of working to develop that elder muscle. Um, some associate ministers may never move on into eldership. Some may serve for years and years and years before moving into eldership. And there are biblical qualifications for these elder brothers that mirror that of deacons uh, in the New Testament scriptures, but with the capacity for the more stricter pastoral requirements Uh, like uh, the ability and maturity to teach and to preach, as well as to begin to learn to shoulder the weight and the burden that comes along with shepherding responsibility. And so associate ministers, they might be paid staff, they might be laymen or volunteer staff, but these men have been identified as candidates for this position by the elders of your church, and all, without exception, have come uh, from recommendations from you all, and we appreciate that. Um, Associate ministers will serve alongside and support uh, the acting elders in different ways um, without having to shoulder the entire weight upon themselves. The elder brother will generally serve as under shepherds to the elders under their leadership. They're going to be involved in equipping uh, teaching sessions, uh, serving communion, uh, prayer ministry throughout the week, as well as prayer ministry following the sermons on Sunday mornings. They're going to assist with pastoral care, leadership development, uh, in various assigned areas of ministry. Essentially, they're going to be extensions or representatives or ambassadors, if you will, of the Axis church elders. And if you want a biblical model, all the way back at the beginning, you can look at Exodus chapter 18 with Moses and his father-in-law Jethro telling him to do this very thing. And so these are men who we trust. These are men uh, that we ask you to do the same, that you trust them. Um, I want the following men to come forward, and as they do, if they have family present, please stand and remain standing until all the men have made their way up here. We've got G. Baines, Gordon Baines. We've got Mr. Daniel Foster. We've got Jordan Hyman. We've got Gavin Royal and Derek Slender. Y'all can just stand here. And their families, if they're in the room, y'all can stand see you guys brothers we thank you and uh, we surely will become healthier and stronger with your leadership in this role church family we're commissioning them but I'm also commissioning you I'm commissioning you church family to follow these men and I ask humbly that you learn to trust these men as you trust the Lord and I ask that you pray for them and their families that you see standing asking God to help them with this and help you with this. I ask that you learn to honor these men and pray for them, support them, and encourage them, and learn to allow their words and their actions to carry weight with you. Okay? Pastor Don, would you please come and pray for these men?
2: I'll ask y'all if you can get closer and just...
0: Huddle over that way.
2: That's great. Let's pray together over these guys. Heavenly Father, first and foremost, we want to praise you for for this church, um, for its ministries, for the blessing we sense around us in this body, knowing full well we are forgiven of all of our sins through the mighty work of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we celebrate this. We celebrate that you have brought those forward who, who desire and now have been recognized for leadership. And Father, through your spirit, will be able to, to lead effectively and humbly with great mercy and compassion. So Father, I pray over them uh, for safety because they will be buffeted uh, by this world. I pray over, over their families and those that know them that that they support them, and, and Father, that that you comfort them in, in moments of difficulty. And, Father, more than anything, I pray that they have an insatiable yearning for your word, that they are in your word and live through your word, that they might know Christ intimately and therefore be a representative of your Son and whom we love. Father, I thank you again for the men and what they will do among this body and in this world. And all God's people in the name of Christ say, amen.
0: Thank you, guys. <clears throat> Paul writes, we're going to move into communion now, folks. Uh, Paul writes again in First Timothy chapter 1, and verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so as we approach the Lord's table today, let's do so doing what he told us to do and remember him as we approach the table. Christian, this is for you. This time is for you. We've got juice, we've got wine, we've got bread. You're gonna take the bread, which is symbolic of the life, the perfect life of Christ as he lived as your representative before God. You're going to take that bread and you're going to dip it into the juice or the wine. That red liquid is symbolic of the very blood that flowed from the wounds and the beatings of Christ Jesus as he was suffering as your substitute in your place, bearing the very wrath of God, and not just a whip and not just nails, but most importantly and significantly shouldering the very wrath of God, shielding you from it as he was absorbing that upon himself. And so, Christian, remind yourself of this. This is where your hope comes from. This is to strengthen you. This is to fortify you for the week that's in front of you. Be anchored this week in the finished work of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. And we proclaim the great mystery of the Christian faith, that Christ has come. He has lived. He has died, he's risen, he's ascended, and he will surely come again. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on this time of remembering, this time of worshiping, this time of responding, this time of repenting, this time of reflecting, this time of communion. And remain with us always, even through the end of the age. Christian, when you're ready, we invite you to come. There's self-serve stations in the back two corners. The elder brothers are going to serve you up front. You can come when you're ready.